It's Wednesday, September 8th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 205. This episode is sponsored by Meat Church, Fidget Spinners, and Tide Pods. So for all your meat and laundry needs, plus whatever fidget spinners are for, please visit our sponsors in the links below. We also have Tim Davis on the show today. What is going on, fellas? Yo. Good, man. Also, fidget was- spinners are for fidget spinning. It's oh, that's name. what it is. That is very oh, true. Perfect. So convenient. I know. All right. Man, I feel like I nailed that intro. Here we go. Here we go. This day in tech history. You're going to have to tell me the year. September 8th. Sometime in the past. Not this year. Here we go. The Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA, sues 261 people for <laughs> sharing music on internet peer-to-peer networks, including a 12-year-old, Brianna Lahara, Eventually, bringing suit against at least 30,000 people, the RIAA intended to reduce the amount of music being shared, but instead generated a public backlash against the established recording industry. Uh, you should, this you had should to be like, what, 2000, 2001? The RIAA, one of the most hated organizations in the world, <clears throat> further doubles down on its anti-consumer rhetoric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. people, people didn't like them before where... they did this. <laughs> The, the, everybody on earth simultaneously turned against Lars Ulrich of Metallica <laughs> on this day. That's so true. Wait, what? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's his fault. It's literally yes. his fault. Jeez. Because that's he decided right. to be oh, a baby a about the fact that his baby. billions of dollars wasn't enough. It's mm, his no, fault entirely so that the RIAA, because they're like, oh, we have artists buy-in and a big one. We're going for it. And that's why the lawsuit's finally had enough momentum to go for it okay i feel let like me help you I out a little like, bit uh, i think let it's like 2002 2003 though like that you're in yeah right. okay yeah so you're gonna have to pick one of those two years i'm gonna tell you one of those two years oh, is right on. it was so while right i was in high school uh, i'd say 2002 man it's gotta be okay so I, I gotta go three he got two so okay you nailed it it was 2003 2003 yeah. was the year what's funny <laughs> was that i remember the album uh, <laughs> called Steal This Album by System of a Down came out <laughs> uh, <laughs> November of 2002 when That's all this stuff was album. heating up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it a good, good one. So many of the good artists realized they're like, oh, we can do this awesome thing and leak our own music and it'll be a huge <laughs> PR bump for us. And man, that was that was a solid marketing strategy where record companies were actually leaking their own music because it, yeah. you know, people were liking those bands yeah, yeah, yeah. more than the ones that were fighting it. I mean, it was fantastic. And, and the crap you could get online, unless you knew exactly where to look, was all over the place in quality, and and you'd get, you know, kind of oh, scammed. Sure. I, I'll say scams, quote unquote, where you get a, a song title and an MP3, and you download it in the first two seconds, or like a radio promo, and the rest <laughs> is like streaming or something. So it's, uh, yeah, I think I think the folks I had that, that exact song. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> What, what was interesting about LimeWire or whatever it was at the time? <laughs> what was interesting about this uh, this specific album? Um, so uh, Toxicity came out the year prior, and then they started recording "Steal This Album" at the be- uh, sorry the end of two thousand one into two thousand two. But by early two thousand two, what Wikipedia reads as medium quality MP3s, uh, so basically <laughs> low quality MP3s, uh, unreliable uh, of the album were were released under. Um, the name Toxicity 2. So somebody had access to this stuff, started leaking them online, and then the band issued a statement expressing disappointment. The fans were hearing material that was unfinished. 
not that necessarily that the fans had acquired them illegally, but disappointed right. that they were hearing not finished music, unfinished sure. music. So, so they worked to release it completed, better quality. And then they just called the album, steal this album. <laughs> so, <laughs> so pretty That's interesting. Man. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That was a fun one. What it's worth, System of Down puts on a damn good show too. They're uh, I oh, seen it's it's dynamite. But their shows are always fantastic. And uh, I guess the one that I remember distinctly, one of the cool things they do is they do like, I don't, I can't remember if they did it throughout the show or if they just did it at a certain point in the show. But they'll do mashups of their songs, so you almost always mm-hmm. get to hear at least a snippet of every one of your favorites because they will just flow into each consecutive, and so you'll get at least a few seconds of basically everything. It's pretty pretty cool. And that actually awesome. works out a lot better because within that set time, they'll also be able to play a lot of the you know new yeah. stuff and stuff that you yep. might not hear traditionally. Yep. But they also still, you know, hit all their, you know, bangers. It's awesome. Yeah, and it, yeah, it just the adrenaline flows like the whole time because of it too. There's like there's never a da- a dull moment, right? They know they know the most, you know, uh, I guess emotional wrenching parts of their songs, and that's what they'll highlight. In yeah, the 15, for sure. 30 seconds that they they do. It's it's great. It's a great show. Highly recommend. Uh, I can remember uh, speeding down the streets of Plano in your uh, in your white. I can't remember what that was. It's like a Cutlass Volvo or Sierra, something. Baby. Yeah, Cutlass Sierra. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't a ball. Nice. I, that was that was one it? actually was that 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 was yes yes it would have been the Cutlass Sierra and then and then it was a Cutlass Supreme also white, but uh, yeah. I had two Oldsmobiles in uh, in that rough era. I, I just remember songs like the I E A I A I O, or however it is you want to say that, but okay. All right, let's let's fast forward to today and. Can I start y'all off with a weird one? Can we just go oh, really, yes. really weird first of all? Sure. All right. So this is a new Navy weapon that stops you from talking. What? Did you hear about this one? No. Okay. <laughs> but it immediately yeah. makes me think about the ones that they they would like send a like a skin burning wave at you basically. Yes. And so it was an anti riot gun that, that was just designed yeah. to like make you feel uncomfortable and writhe, but was non lethal. Anyways, right. go on. Well, Stops you from talking. Kinda, Ow. You, Sounds cool. Yeah, no, you're you're uh, you're you're getting at it uh, at the punchline here pretty quick because that's one of the things that they think they'll use it for is uh, is riot control. But um, it's special. It's a special electronic device, and how it works is actually kind of still intriguing. Uh, or, or I want to learn more about um, this article. Doesn't detail it in depth, but it is. It's a non-lethal weapon. Um, it effectively repeats the speaker's own voice back at them and only them while they attempt to talk. So what, what it does, like whenever you speak, your brain it just, hears a it very slight delay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so crazy. That would actually totally work on that. Yeah, this one right here just said the little tagline says the device effectively annoys someone into yes. not speaking. Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. That the would effect totally here is. The way your brain works is your brain actually hears your voice a, a very split sure. second after you speak, and your brain's accustomed to that. Well, what this and thing will do differently. It's lower. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's, you're getting all kinds of extra signals through your bones and stuff. But yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so what this will do is repeat it back to you just a little bit after that, and then again on like another half second delay. So whenever oh, you speak, you just hear like this echo like this overwhelming echo of yourself and it just disorients you like if, if you've ever been on a call where somebody's got a speaker yeah. on or something real, and you hear a delay back, back to you 
Yeah, and it yeah, makes you bad. not want to talk. You can't even focus. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm also so impressed it, that they can send it just to you. That that must mean that they're doing some pretty cool stuff with, uh, well, I was going to say directional microphones, but it would be directional speakers. That's exactly what yes. it says. It's both. It's broadcasted. It's both. Well, yeah, it's I was going to say they're going to have to know narrow... where it's coming from, so they need directional right. microphones for that, and then they're going to have and to send it back to just this your says, ears. Right. This this is says cool. I'm not reading this article. I'm just imagining so how this works. Speakers. This is fun. That's <laughs> yeah, great. You guys, it's so cool. You, get, you guys both just talked over each other, which made me feel like it was already happening. Uh, what did you... But yeah, it's... Super interesting. Um, let's see more. More intriguingly, the patient or the patent alludes to by aiming AHAD, which is the the name of the system that stands for acoustic hailing and disruption. Uh, it records the speech and instantly broadcasts it back to you. Um, by aiming AHAD system at a wall or corner, AHAD, whatever we'll call it, that system can also project sound to the target surface, such that audio appears to originate from the target. That's crazy. Uh, the tanks, other non-lethal. Yeah, interesting. Um, so wait, exp are they saying that it would the the person would feel like it's originating from themselves? Yes. So essentially, they they're able to like essentially hack your auditory processing in your head <laughs> yeah, to yes. think that sounds are coming from right where you are, even though they're technically not. <laughs> what? A super the sonic fast. weapon is able to. Focus sonic Brilliant. waves at high decibel levels at a target, leading oh. to the target suffering from migraines, ringing of the ears, or mild pain and discomfort. Yeah. Uh, migraines and ringing of the ears, and and we're not worried at all about what's happening to their their entire like physical auditory processing units, <laughs> the ears there. Right? That sounds terrible. That sounds, yeah, like, sounds like their ears are gonna like military induced deafness, which I feel like they already yes. have pretty effective ways of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I don't know. That, so that actually sounds more dangerous when you talk about high decibel. So low decibel, if it's if it's truly like a talking voice, a fairly low decibel, just super annoying. Like I could totally no, it says high dB. Somebody, but if it's high dB, like that could cause damage. Yeah, but it's not lethal though, Tyler. It sounds. Fun. I'm just kidding. I'm just it's kidding. Permanent. Well, well, there's a difference. I mean, like you yeah. can get severely hurt with you yeah. know a non-lethal beanbag. So it's just sure. one of those Correct. things. Where it's not going to directly kill you, but yeah, <laughs> but you could the lose rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, like my the beanbags, people wrecked. getting yeah, people getting shot in the ear or the eye and losing an eye with a beanbag. It's it's non lethal, but it's still going to oh mess you up. Get me a napkin. Okay, that one's eye. fun. What else we got? What else y'all want to talk about? You guys all Apple all day. Do you know what I was just saying? <laughs> I I missed what you're saying. I'm sorry. I said, oh, my eye, someone get me a napkin for my eye. Do you remember that quote? No. I'm almost certain, but I'm going to have to Google it to verify that that's from MC 900 Foot Jesus. Uh, which yeah, I'm still lost. Absolutely hilarious album from the 90s. If I only had a brain. That was okay. the song that I remember, but that's not the one from that. Anyways, it's on the album, and, it, and uh, losing an eye made me think of that. There you go. There's my okay. brain walk for today. <laughs> Bringing it on home. All right. Uh, let's see. Coinbase. So this is at the top of tech meme. Coinbase says the SEC threatened to sue over its yet-to-be-launched Lend program, capital L. That's the name of the program. Following discussions with the regulator that have 
lasted almost six months. And then if you follow Coinbase at all, you know their CEO, his name is Brian Armstrong. And he basically went on a Twitter tirade today um, saying the SEC was being unfair and they were going to sue. Um, no, hold on. I'm sorry. The SEC was threatening to sue. But he, he was saying that the SEC is being unfair because they're um, basically calling this uh, this Lend program a, um, a uh, oh my gosh, my, uh, what did he call it? What did he call it? I'm like falling off of this here. Um, I'm reading it now, so maybe I can't even find it. What do you think of it? The word is escaping me. Oh my gosh, a, a security that's the word I'm thinking of. Oh, 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 okay. security so back to like everything that's going on with XRP. And I mean, that is that is fundamentally yes. the potential issue or where the butting of heads is going on with the SEC and all things crypto, anyways. Yes, it, right. All but the, it goes on this everything tirade. Gets regulated differently if it's a, if it's seen as a, a security versus a, a yeah, but currency. lend what lend is doing, Coinbase's lend is basically a bond, and then what you saw the SEC do a few hours ago this morning is essentially subtweet Brian and Coinbase. And they did a little 30 second infomercial on, uh, on what a bond was <laughs> and explaining how it's a security. And they're like, to any the questions? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me explain how this works. SEC. This, this is like right in line with the stuff we talked about the last time I was on the show with Facebook and the, uh, what the not the SEC in that case the um, FTC right and and not being able to define the market they're claiming they're the monopoly of like it's just yeah. kind of sad when you've got companies coming back and trying to explain the fundamentals of something to you but really the SEC just needs to pony up provide explicit guidance on what it is obviously Coinbase has an opinion about what it would be but until you actually draw the damn lines <laughs> yeah but what he's clearly creating is he's not creating anything new. He's creating right. a, a essentially a bond. And then he's complaining. He's saying, why do you want to regulate this like a security? And then everyone in the on Twitter is dragging him saying, I don't understand how this dude who runs a multi-billion dollar crypto company doesn't understand what a security is. <laughs> and it's literally and like that is it satisfies it satisf satisfies all four prongs of the Howey test. <laughs> right? To specifically What's the Howey test? Show I don't know exactly that one. Not uh, top. I've heard I can of it. pull up the I can pull up the four uh, the four prongs. Hold on one second. Oh, give me that. How he tests. Uh, in doing so, the Supreme Court established four criteria to determine whether an investment contract contract exists. An investment contract is one an investment of money. Two in a common enterprise. Three with the expectation of profit. And four to be derived from the efforts of others. So it's a security by definition there is exactly what they're building with Lend. They're basically building bonds, which are an investment over time. And if the if that company succeeds, then you get paid out your principal plus, plus interest. Yeah. Anyway. Seems like pretty fair criticism. Yep. Wait, criticism from SEC or criticism from Brian? Well, yes. or Brian based on that. But yes, I think is the answer. <laughs> from both? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds sounds like they're being pretty derpy across the board. I'm glad that Twitter's angry well, at them. <laughs> well, so just to, just to be clear, what Brian is creating is something that is regulated in the industry, and then Brian is complaining sure. 
that the SEC wants to regulate regulate it it. as such. That's that's dumb. Yes. Dumb for him. Okay. Got it. So that was news. Wow. I felt like we really fumbled (laughs) through that one. (laughs) Great. I couldn't remember the word security, and then it went downhill from there. Not a problem. Okay. (laughs) Shifting topics. What else we got here? All of the things. All the things? Oh, well, Tim, you started to bring up Apple. What you got? Yes, the iPhone event is slated for the 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific. So not only will they announce the new iPhones, and hopefully they'll go on sale the following week, that also means that the iOS, iPadOS, and new macOS will be launching very shortly after. What are you what expecting? What was the last iPhone called? What was its name? 12. The, tw- the 12, so this will be the 13. You think it's going to be the Maybe. 13? I don't think it's going to be the 13. The 12S. We're going to find out. 12S. 12R. Uh, apparently, it's supposed to be the 13. Uh, we'll find out. There's also all the rumors and stuff that's swirling about with like all the new watch hardware and all the things. So, mm. you know, we'll, we'll have to find out. The biggest thing that I'm, you know, interested and excited in is going to be all of the, you know, OS updates. They announced a lot of them at WWDC, you know, back in when the heck was that June. So it should be good. A lot more seamless transition between iPad and Mac and all the fun things. You can go to uh, go to MacRumors.com and like the third thing down is rumors about the iPhone 14. More than a year out from now. Yeah, that sounds about right. How far do they have to have these uh, these stay stay out in front of these targets? This is crazy. Uh, it says well, super far. While we're likely just six days away from Apple unveiling the iPhone 13 lineup at its confirmed September 14th event, leaker John Prosser has shared alleged details about next year's iPhone 14 on his front page tech website. Uh, okay, no okay. no notch with a hole punch front camera instead. Have you seen some of that stuff where they've got either the whole, so it's the whole punch or there's like the, the camera, the front camera's behind the screen. Some oh, crazy stuff there. Stuff. I, not specific yeah. to Apple, just in general. This one is supposedly technology. a screen that goes around that front camera. We're going anyway, to find right, out that one. It that. looks interesting. Yes, you too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll cover that probably Wednesday next week. Let's see, 14th is going to be on Tuesday, yeah. So we'll cover that next week, everything that comes out on the Apple event. So come join us again in a week. Tim? Yes. Uh, I saw that (laughs) Amazon's uh, just walk out, so the cashierless checkout systems are supposed to be coming to Whole Foods next year or as early as What? Oh, I didn't didn't know those were doing well. about that for a while. Um, But the Whole Foods cashiers are so friendly. They're always so nice. I the last time I went to a Whole Foods, I, I can't don't. I couldn't tell it. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one just down the street from us. So occasionally. I mean, I've there. gotten stuff delivered from Whole Foods via an Amazon driver that I never see or yeah. speak to. But as far as walking into the yeah. store, not so much. Yeah, I'll say nine times out of ten, my Whole Foods orders just show up to my front door. That's true. That's that's how I do grocery shopping now. Not yeah. like you said, it's nine like, out of ten times. I've had to go in occasionally. I don't do all of it. It's just when I need Topo Chico refills and I don't want to go to Costco and stuff like that. I'll get it from them. It's crazy, man. All you have to do is order like 30 bucks or 35 bucks, something like that. And they deliver it within two hours. Love it. 
It's wild. Absolutely wild. Well, cool. I guess so for the people that do walk in, they end up uh, just doing uh, the, uh, the cashierless experience. It's definitely a cool technology, but yeah, I mean, I there's so. privacy implications all over the place. How do they do it? Is I mean, it's all like RFID that, stuff? No. It's probably no. more a combination it's, of facial recognition, your phone and app. So it was your phone and app and proximity stuff but it was also like cameras like there was a camera that literally would track you picking up the milk and putting the milk in your basket and then if you didn't want it you picked it up and put it back down and then it would not check it um there was just a multitude of things that went into it that originally it was like oh that's kind of cool but people aren't going to like that apparently people don't care (laughs) what if i what if i I go down to like the chip aisle Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just trying to think of ways to trick this system. If it's if it's not if it's just cameras. I mean, let's if you go down the aisle, it's just going to charge you for stuff you don't want. <laughs> just like wrap your arms around a whole bunch of stuff on the shelf and just like drag it off and drop it in the drop it in the box or whatever or drop it in the cart. Yeah, I'm kind of eager to see how that? it's actually laid out to to see yeah. that. Well, I it, I mean, the, the answer could be all kinds of things, though. It may have more sensors in the shelves. Well, to, to they were also talking about a thing at like one that. point where with the app, you just scan the stuff that you want, and then when you walk out, it charges you. Yeah, that's mm. less cool. I don't want to. I don't want to have but to. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's a yeah. it's a step in the right direction, I guess. But I wouldn't. I like the idea of a store that just knows what I actually got, so that it is as simple as walking around, picking up the stuff, putting it in your bag, box, cart, right. whatever it is, and then leaving, not having to really interact with anybody. It just it speeds up the whole process, which is great, as yeah. long as it's accurate, which I think is obvious. But to the privacy side of things, I think it all depends on what they're doing with the data. And you've got to assume, because it's Amazon, that they are keeping lots and lots and lots of it to get to get better yeah. at, at doing it, right? So you sure you've got, you know, your your inference engine out there doing its thing. The AI is making all of the right decisions. It's pretty well trained, but you get better AI by keeping more and more of that data too. So if they're just using it at the edge and they've they feel like they've trained the model enough to get it done and, and they can just process what you did and then you know do the the settlement side and trash all the active camera crap that they just used on you, then meh on the privacy side, but hmm. I'm also pretty skeptical. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, it does read, it does read, it says cameras and sensors track what items shoppers select. Right. So I guess it's not app related. And then it does say too, it says these locations will employ a comparable number of team members mm-hmm. as existing. Whole That's what market I started stores. to say. Uh, yeah. I thought that was interesting because one of the big criticisms for this and any like major roboticization of you know, like human jobs is that it's going to eliminate the jobs. And of course, their pushback on that is we'll have lots of, you know, concierges running around as right. to cashiers, which at the upcoming seen, location. Oh, so yeah, I was now, shoppers who want to people... skip the checkout line enter the store by either scanning an app inserting a credit or debit card linked to their Amazon account or placing their palm over the company's palm scanning payment system called Amazon one. Which if you do that, if you give Amazon your palm scan, uh, they're going to pay you 10 bucks to store your palm print. And they are going to make $5,000 off of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'd consider it. That's right. That's basically just a check in for my palm. (laughs) There you go. Charge a Should charge a subscription to your biometric, and let Amazon. But yeah, it does say like you said. They want your servants, your terms of service. How do I get Amazon to sign my EULA? <laughs> you don't, right? 
<laughs> you did right one exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, you have a you uh, look great. Bye. <laughs> uh, thank you. Next, um, but no, it does say like you said, it's going to be more that you know concierge experience where the team members will be walking around, interacting with customers, helping you pick your bananas and you know whatever, rather than standing at the end. And, it's going to yeah, be a whole bunch of Ron Swanson. Probably. Oh, I hope Sir, so. can we help you? I know better. Or I know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it'll be interesting when the uh, the concierges right are walking around and they've got a little earpiece, and as they get close to you, it gives them all of your personal information, so they know what what. Uh, what oh, that's weird. Take home to your wife. That's when it gets funky. Sir, <laughs> there's a crazy man on the chip aisle just grabbing armloads of chips, trying to beat the system. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh no uh, tyler your wife likes these chips these chips no need to take all <laughs> of those and it shows you all 48 chips he took damn it <laughs> what twitter Spoils says again. it's test look at this one twitter says it's testing communities invite only topic-based public feeds curated by monitor moderators excuse me initially limited to a few topics including dogs and skincare Okay. So they're taking on Reddit now that I think I just learned something about Twitter that I didn't know, which is that skincare is something that trends a lot. Apparently, (laughs) and dogs, I don't know. Maybe they're just dogs make sense. I'm surprised it's not dogs and skincare. I think skincare is a big thing for for a large number of people. Uh, But is is that just because everybody has skin? Is that what you're implying? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And some. Relatively large, yeah. Some (laughs) relatively large percentage of people uh, care about caring for their skin. Shocker. But most people do have skin, correct? Uh, But basically, it's taking Facebook groups or Reddit, like you said, um, and yeah, creating moderated invite-only groups. What do y'all think about that? Sounds special. Uh, I I don't. Twitter is doing a lot. And I just, I, I can't, I mean, I want to say stay in your lane and keep being Twitter, but you know, <laughs> as long as they keep what Twitter is still working and keep, you know, innovating that it's fine. I mean, it's free. So who cares? <laughs> Tim, yeah, if you could have one thing, stuff. well, it's free for now. This, this is just the next fleet. Well, I guess, yeah, it's free for now. Free for now, man. Um, but you can start paying. They're creating more ways. If you could have one thing back for Twitter that we used to have, and don't have any more or change one thing that we have never had, what would it be, Tim? Uh, I have no idea. I just want Google Wave back. Everybody wants Google <laughs> Wave back. Nice. Wait. Uh, no, nobody. <laughs> I got confused there for a second. <laughs> you had Google Wave. I did. I totally did. So did all the other eight people using it. Dude, I went all <laughs> I was on one of them. product for a while. So. Yeah. Real-time collaborative editing? That was awesome. Yeah, right. Still a thing. I thought it was cool. Great. I don't know. Red, yeah. Twitter is Twitter. It is what it is. Like They can add fleets, and then they can take fleets away, and then they can you know, add paid you know, tweet subscriptions, and they can add subreddits to Twitter. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that's what hashtags yeah. are for. Come on. I, you know, I don't know. If some yeah. people dig yeah. it, no, cool. Uh, if it doesn't get in the way of me doing what I want to do, then cool. I, do I, want I would the, say I want take Star the heart back. away. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Take the heart away. I don't like. I don't don't like that it implies how I feel about something. Like a star, it could be a bookmark. It's just. It could be a sarcastic sticker. 
but a yes. heart implies that I actually like it, and I don't necessarily want to like it. I just want it to be. You just want to be like, this is a tweet. Yes, this is a thing. <laughs> this if is the thing. I acknowledge it. <laughs> if they're trying to be Reddit, then I would be willing to beta test a downvote button for Twitter. I, yes. I would be willing I, to test. I, I would like that. Absolutely. You oh, could even God. keep the heart in that case, but I don't like it. I would still like to be able to upvote things that I don't agree with, but you can't upvote something you don't agree with on Twitter without actually liking it, which is just offensive to my brain. Right. Right. How do you draw attention unless you're quote tweeting it to something you don't like? You either have to right. just retweet it or heart it, which I wonder, or I guess you can comment point? on it. Did somebody talk about that? Was the idea to like to yeah. get people to comment instead of Correct. That seems that seems like it would have some negative consequences, though, because if the idea was, all I want to do to this is tap a little button, and I and my only option is to like tap it, so I, you get a bunch more comments on negative stuff. Is that I yeah? Mean, that's correct. Well, that's inadvertently create ratioing somehow, and they did correct. <laughs> that, that's where that's where the ratio comes it comes in for Twitter, right? And you'll even see people just comment the word ratio because they don't like it, so they just write a comment and they say ratio. <laughs> <sighs> broken <terrible>. broken <laughs> nailed it nailed it and uh maybe not as exciting but twitter also announced today that they're going to start doing uh the full width uh edge to edge photos and videos and gifs and stuff so on your mobile device what that means yeah well, well basically i mean if you look at it on your mobile app the photo doesn't take i mean it takes up like maybe 70 percent uh, of the screen now they're going to do right. it edge to edge like you see on on instagram if you scroll through instagram read it you'll You'll so they see. are becoming Reddit. And you know what? Oh, I does Reddit do that on their mobile app? Yeah. Yes. And I will oh, okay. bet you with I'll all of this that. changes to the photos and how they're placed on the screen, they still haven't changed the racist cropping algorithm. What? <laughs> really? They didn't Wait, fix Twitter? It? No, they stopped. They Because they discovered that, they actually stopped cropping. Oh, I, I, I haven't noticed. I saw something about six months ago where somebody said, oh, I'm just testing if this is still a thing. And it was still a thing. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. It Maybe they did change it and on, I haven't noticed, but yeah. If you look on mobile, all of the photos now should be just the full screen. Just reset. They've completely removed. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. They've completely removed cropping because of that. Okay. Well, either way, that that was God, that was bad, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Correct. What else we got? What are we seeing in the chat here? I just saw something pop up on my phone. I'm clicking the link now. Apparently, Edmonds uh, labeled the Tesla Model S Plaid a waste of money. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that's quite the smackdown from uh, Edmonds. Well, Why would they say oh, that? So I'm looking to see. Like, it's not worth it the, the fastest production car. Uh, nothing more than a marketing exercise designed to draw attention to an aging car. Also, wow. the yoke is a joke. <laughs> Dang. And to be completely fair, the plaid it does one thing really well, which isn't quite enough to detract from the interior that is a world apart from similarly priced competitors, which is a build quality joke. Uh, I assume that that's, it goes fast well. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it just accelerates really fast. That's that's the that's the main feature, which is in the name, right? That's what Plaid is all about. But uh, wow, that was a uh, 
<laughs> the problem for me is that the yoke is really a metaphor for the whole car. It's almost as if Tesla's execs thought about how much noise they could make on Twitter, and then they worked backwards. Jeez. <laughs> oh, when, when did Edmund start bringing all this heat? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> I've never known them to do this. They're, they're, they're pretty, like, bland in terms of car reviews historically hey yeah, they may have gotten a uh, new person in charge they got to rebrand and become the new wendy's <laughs> uh, but to be clear man the car has over a thousand horsepower and goes zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds which is ludicrous i mean that's why it's, it's insane <laughs> yeah yeah Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm reading other stuff here. Somebody commented is actually pretty funny, but I'm not going to read it. Okay. Okay. What else we got? To race one of these full stop is all it says. Apparently, it just pulls the whole time. Uh, oh yeah, so you'd be a fool to race against funny. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's insane. It's yeah. its acceleration curve is just linear. Well, Edmund's in, conclusions uh, on the on the S plaid are certainly in the minority, even among professional reviewers. They say in this article, but interesting. Uh, anyways, that that would that cracked me up. That was ultra critical. That's really <laughs> funny. Thanks for that, Google. You know what I like to read. <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in in the world of fitness technology and also failed product launches uh whoop has stepped in it today what happened oh yeah tell us so whoop is you know a fitness tracker kind of like a fitbit or an apple watch or whatever but their whole thing is like there's no screen on it the battery lasts for like five days you charge it by slipping the battery pack over it so that you never have to take the thing off it's fantastic and i love it And they've been pushing this online streaming event that happened this morning, and they announced the new hardware. And because it's a subscription service, the hardware is free. So they said anybody who's currently a member with at least six months left, you know, go in the app right now and register and go get your new device. And everything tanked. Their authentication services, the app, the order process, everything has just completely died on itself in spectacular fashion. That's just like uh, it, it's it's tw- it's September 2021. Like, <laughs> who at this point does not know? Take whatever amount you think is scale capacity that you need and triple it, if not more than that. Like, <laughs> just whatever you think you need, just go ten times more than that. It's I I don't understand how anybody these days are having that kind of problem. <laughs> oh well. I just, uh, it, it was just funny to me. I'm, just, you know, it's yet another failed ability to upgrade a product when they say, "Go do it now." We only have so many of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Not a good look. Not so much. No, uh, I have my order in finally, but I haven't gotten a confirmation yet, and I can't tell if my order is going to be lost or if it actually went through. I know they charged my card for it, but that doesn't mean the order is going to actually process properly. 
That's, I honestly, I didn't know anything about this company or their product at all until uh, it trended in the news today. And, and I'm glad you do, because I would have skipped right over that article. It's yeah, very cool. It's, I've looked at it's it. a great product. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Aaron hasn't started looking around at it, considering that it's the official no, wearable of CrossFit. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I, I've, I have friends. <laughs> Thanks for the dig. You, you uh, I have friends that have used it. Shut up. <laughs> no, I have friends that have used it, and uh, they basically just came back and said, look, it's not really worth it, right? Uh, they, they, I mean, the whole idea Ouch. is it basically just determines... Sponsoring us. Well, you're paying... Yeah, fine, whatever. I don't care. But you have to pay... <laughs> not only do you buy the device, but you have to pay a monthly subscription, like 30 bucks you a month. You do not, actually. You, you buy don't anymore? subscription in advance, and the device comes for quote-unquote free. So like oh, I paid okay. however much for 18 months worth of subscription and I got the device. Uh, that mm -hmm. was maybe about six months or so, seven months or so ago. Um, and now today I was able to upgrade or at least try to put my order in for the, the new device. Um, and it didn't make me pay anything because I had at least six months left of my subscription. If okay. you were within six months, then you just had to essentially renew your subscription and then you get the device for free. Okay, sorry. So you have it's a subscription service, which is what right. I was not not keen on, right? I just I wanted something that yeah that that's would just fair, give me yeah. the the vitals and, and data that I needed. The cool thing is, like, is it'll tell you, you know, hey, um, you've exercised really hard the past two or three days. Maybe like take it a little easy on this day, all that kind of stuff. I, I guess just kind of looking into it, I felt like it was giving me data that I would already intuitively know. If I just kind of listen to my body, so I was uninterested. In it, but so. I have and if, if you're tuned in with your body, then that's then yeah, maybe. But with me, I have days where my recovery is tanked, but I feel okay. Or I have yeah. days where I feel like garbage, but it says, "Hey, you're primed. Like you should do this today." Um, yeah. And it's just the fact that, like, I love my Apple Watch and I use it for everything, except I have to take it off and charge it every night, or I have to take it off during the day and charge it, and it's it's useless to get a full picture of what your, you know, overall fitness yeah. looks like. Cause with the whoop, you know, it takes your strain from the day, which is essentially a logarithmic thing of how much your heart has been working over X amount of time. It takes right. that and it calculates your sleep and then it gives you your recovery score the next day, which then will sit there and recommend, Hey, tomorrow you need to add a little bit more sleep or you need to, or your sleep is fine. Or, yeah. Hey, you need to take a rest day because your heart rate variability is down or your, you know, what have you is up. So it's just one of those things where with me, I have to have the data to kind of know that because I am in yeah. fact not in tune with my body. So it, it really helps me and I really dig it. Um, Do you have skin, a little bit yes. sometimes okay. <laughs> sorry I was, just, I was trying to loop things back together i'm really trying to keep it stitched up in this show today <laughs> uh go join that skincare community um no i, I totally get it it's great i mean some people will absolutely love it and i'm sure i probably would too it'd probably be great but i i don't know i like what my apple watch does and especially just with the strava app on it yeah. Um, and for specifically CrossFit, I can just hit start and do workout and then it'll track my heart rate real big on my watch. And typically like I can tell I'm just totally gassed in the middle of a workout and I'm sitting there at like, you know, 180 beats per minute. And I guess it's like, you're not really supposed to rest during some of those metabolic conditioning periods, but right. if I'm just totally gassed and I can't do anything else, or I'm going to like pass out and hit the floor, I just pause for a second, focus on my breathing watch my heart rate come back down and I can, 
you know, once it hits like the one fifties, now I know I can go back again and I can, I can, you know, kind of get back into it hardcore, but yeah, that's, that, I mean, that, that's all I really need. Yeah, exactly. And your, yours yeah. is very workout focused. Mine is I drastically needed to change my lifestyle and to do that, I needed a full picture of exactly what's going on. And that's not just workouts, but it's also sleep and you know, all this stuff. Like one of the big things yeah, that I learned sure. is when I'm working out and I'm doing this stuff now, I started taking magnesium and not only am I sleeping better, but my recovery is better. Um, so it's just, you know, one of those little things that I was able to put together that's helped me based on all the data that I'm getting back from it. Get them electrolytes. I accidentally something there. <laughs> what's the name of that it's like it's not slurm that's from from uh whatchamacallit wow just, oh just, man like, falling you just asked now i'm blanking out freaking idiocracy um i know what's the i forget the name of the the soda that they started watering the world with hmm. oh, hold on, oh. brando brando nice Hey, you might like this one, Tyler. Uh, new superconducting magnet breaks magnetic field strength records, paving the way for fusion in energy. Oh, cool. All right. That's pretty great. sweet. That's, yeah, it that's says, interesting. Uh, Usually the news on superconducting magnets is uh, all about higher temperatures, not uh, stronger what? magnetism. That's cool. Well, so the like whole they can withstand like, higher temperatures? Yeah, yeah, you will you get superconductivity at, at closer and closer to room temperature. You know, nirvana for a superconducting magnet would be like seventy degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit or something like that. But instead, we usually have to super or I don't even know what the latest tech is. But you can get superconductivity uh. in, in certain alloys, and that's that's the trick is that they keep making uh, superconducting materials out of different things and different mixes of things to see if they can get superconductivity at higher temperatures. Because the first superconducting magnets uh, were probably like something as simple as a copper coil, um, but they didn't superconduct until you were almost at absolute zero, which is not very useful. Ah. Not scale, anyways. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so it's this one cool would be right up your alley. figured out higher, <laughs> higher uh, magnet magnetism as opposed to just uh, easier superconductivity. Yeah, so it says uh, it was a moment three years in the making based on intensive research and design work on September 5th. For the first time, a large high temperature superconducting electromagnet was ramped up to a field strength of 20 Tesla. Maybe that means something Damn. to you. That's that's the a most, strong okay. magnet. Guess that's it does. All the, cars. the most <laughs> <laughs> the most powerful magnetic field of its kind ever created on Earth. See? Strong so. magnet. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for an <laughs> Very cool. I'm actually <laughs> yeah, right? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember like the uh, like the, the gauze rating of a, a standard like house magnet. And I don't, I don't even remember, but I know that it's 10,000. You like, you would probably measure your, your house magnet in, I don't know, hundreds of gauze or something like that. And it 10,000 gauze is one Tesla. So it's, 10, uh, it's, it's a huge order of magnitude shift. I, I'm honestly, I'm just blanking on what, uh, what the, oh. um, yeah, no, you're right. Like home magnet would be. Yeah, ten thousand. Here, Here we go. I just one, found one. one Tesla. So, you're right. Uh, uh, a a typical refrigerator magnet. So a typerator, typical refrigerator magnet is about hundred gauze, and and a Tesla is ten thousand gauze. A neodymium, like a super strong one that's going to take your fingers off magnet, 
uh, neodymium grade N42, which I wasn't actually familiar with that standard, is uh, 13,000 gauze, so just a little over a Tesla, or I guess a good bit over a Tesla, depending on how you're reading that, right? Um, this, that's, what did you say, a four, four Tesla or something? That's insane. No, no, no. This, this one tested uh, said uh, was ramped up to a field strength of 20 Tesla. 20 Tesla. The most powerful magnetic field of its kind. Yeah, but I'm looking at that, and then I researched this other thing. So MRIs are anywhere from two to seven Tesla, right? And uh, permanent, let's see, permanent magnets are at least uh, 1.4 Tesla. And then it says there's an experimental, there's some special magnets used in scientific research to test the limits of magnet construction techniques and materials. The strongest experimental magnets run about 45 Tesla or 450,000 Gauss. But I, I guess that's just saying, you know, these are experimental magnets, not necessarily these, uh, these well, specific in, in, superconducting electromagnets. Well, and in, in I think that's the key, right? So that are high temperature. I, guess, yeah. I didn't know that we were doing experimentally tested magnets that had that kind of pull force. That's insane. But um, mm -hmm. but a superconducting electromagnet has the properties of being superconducting as well, which means that once you apply a current to it, the current just whips around in it as long as you keep it at the right temperature. So it's a it's like a persistent electromagnet. That's why superconducting electromagnets are so cool. Ah, um, okay. So the whole purpose here, I, I guess I'm reading on. So fusion being the process that powers the sun, right? The merger of two small atoms to make a larger one, releasing crazy amounts of energy. Of energy. But the, but the process requires insane temperatures, like temperatures beyond what any solid material could withstand. What's so essentially to count temperature like yeah. on earth, the, the hottest known temperatures on earth right now have all been in, in experimental fusion reactors because it's okay. literally, you're talking about like the temperature of the sun, maybe not quite at its core yet, but yeah. effectively that's what we're getting at. Okay, so if you're gonna if, if you're gonna have something that's a hundred million degrees, then you have to suspend it in the air that yeah. prevents it from coming it in contact anything. with anything, and that's where the magnets come in. Right. right? right. Sorry. Is so right? we didn't. We, I I know we've talked about fusion reactors, but the the idea there is that the biggest problem we have with a fusion reactor isn't getting fusion to start; it's getting it to keep going without melting all the container. Without touching anything. And so, so what? Like the containers. Think of like massive concrete buildings mm -hmm. at temperatures that high, everything melts, Yeah, everything, including gases. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, like you're literally going to be stripping. The, it's so hot that that stuff is going to change form. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, you have like to keep it away from stuff, all yeah. the things or it will just melt the thing that you're containing it in. So you, you need like, if you think about how a mat works, um, the, the distance to the thing that you're trying to suspend if it's you know pushing against it or pull if you're trying to, to collapse it is it it's um it's an it's a radius squared problem right so like gravitational pull the the further you are away the it, it exponentially increases how underpowered something is so if you're trying to get far away from something and you want it to have enough magnetism to stay far away then you need a stronger magnet, but you need it to be like what it, an, a factor of two. So, so a, yeah. a quadratic more powerful to get an equivalent distance. And so that, that you need, we probably need it to go to like 200 Tesla's or, or maybe I, I don't know what the range is for what we're actually trying to do with fusion. But if that's a, if that's a doubling of the power of the last magnet, for instance, then it means that it, at a distance 
twice as far away, you you can still yeah. get a reasonable magnetic force. So it makes sense that that that's something that they want and need, and it sounds like that's a good move in the right direction. I wonder hmm. if it, I wonder if it's going to help us actually scale, uh, you know, fusion train react reactions. Well, I mean, the article says exactly what you just said. Yeah, it's not the process of really starting fusion, but um, the process of creating a a strong enough system that could keep it in place. It's cool. It's really cool. Let's see. This is super I always forget about all the... Like, fusion in general is just so cool, but I forget about all the technology that goes into making it possible on Earth. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's it's kind of it's kind of nuts that because we use we use uh, superconducting well materials in in all sorts of stuff now a lot of it's still sort scientific pursuit right like when you talk about um, the large hadron collider or any superconducting super collider stuff like that those systems are going to use uh, superconducting magnets in most cases to accelerate them so a lot of the particle research that we do of course requires them but there are probably a lot of like manufacturing processes at this point um, that take advantage of superconducting electromagnets. So mm-hmm. this kind of research, which is very targeted, is probably applicable in other areas uh, in ways that we don't, I don't know, see as consumers. You don't, I don't have yeah. superconducting magnets in my house. I want one. So here it goes on. It says, uh, in this test, the new magnet was gradually powered up in a series of steps until reaching the goal of a 20 Tesla magnetic field, the highest field strength ever for a high temperature superconducting fusion magnet. The magnet is composed of 16 plates stacked together, each one of which by itself would have been the most powerful high temperature superconducting magnet in the world. So basically what I'm reading here is it's like the razor. They had one and then they did two blade and then they did three, then four, then five. We just need to stack like, 500 of these and then it'll be strong enough and we'll be good Boom. you're welcome you add them they add their heat and there's your problem so again mm. where's my nobel back prize to superconduction at higher temperatures because then you could get 40 plates <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. particle physics and engineering with professor tyler <laughs> time to shut it down <laughs> All right, that was fun. That was that was a, a little romp down memory lane. Um, yeah, that's back to the you know what, uh, Scientific American and and uh, what's the other one? Popular Mechanics and stuff of the '90s. Once again, coming through. Anyways, that brings another Tech Breakfast pod- podcast to a close. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Tim, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure and I'm super glad again to have you on the show today because you brought a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't even thought of, which was fantastic. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.